Even when you have a firm grip on it, hope can be torn away by the sound of your mother's voice. That's another reason why it's easier to love a horse. Horses are sympathetic. You can tell by the way they lower their faces, very still, unmoving, when your fingers comb the silky forelock of hair. Driving horses don't have that forelock. Their Amish owners keep it cleanly cut so that it is easier to put on the bridle. A driving bridle has two bits that must be coaxed between the horse's teeth and shiny patent leather blinders attached to the side of it. When the top of the bridle goes up over the ears and the chin strap is secured, the horse looks neat and, well, Amish. Sadie Miller's thoughts moved from the steady ka-chink, ka-chink of the hoe as she chopped resolutely at the stubborn crabgrass between the rows of string beans. The unceasing Montana wind moved the tender garden plants restlessly, their green leaves swaying and bending like funny green dancers. Her mother moved ahead of her, bending over to remove the weeds from around the new string bean plants, her graying hair tossed in the breeze like the bean plants. Her dihli, that triangle of blue handkerchief, cut diagonally and hemmed on the sewing machine, moved and flapped wildly at the wind's command. Mom was not overweight. She was not thin, either. She was just right for fifty years old. Her sage-green dress whirled around, lifting above her knees, and she grabbed at the pleated skirt impatiently. Ach, will this wind never die down? she asked Sadie. Sadie didn't answer simply because it felt good to let Mom know she was sulking unhappily. Why? Why did Mom have to come down on her like that? It wasn't fair. She was 21 years old, and Mark was as good as forbidden. Ah, Mark. That tall, impossibly dark-haired, dark-skinned youth of her dreams. Not really youth. A man at 31 years old. He was the only person Sadie had ever truly wanted— And now this. Sadie had opened the subject earlier. She was the only one in the garden with her mother, and she was glad to tell her about meeting Mark on the day when Reuben accompanied her on the quest for a buckboard they had seen advertised in the local paper. Sadie had been riding Paris, her beloved Palomino, while Reuben was on Cody, the small brown mare. They had first thought the horses were from a wild herd, Later, they discovered that the animals had been stolen from a wealthy rancher in Hill County. Richard Caldwell, the owner of the ranch where Sadie worked, had contacted the owner of the stolen horses to make things right. Meanwhile, Sadie continued cooking in the huge commercial kitchen for as many as 25 ranch hands with Dorothy Sivar. Dorothy was rotund, and she was aging, but she had a heart of gold despite her fiery personality— Kindness flowed from her in great, healing quantities. Dorothy's husband, Jim Sivar, still drove his ancient pickup truck back and forth from Sadie's house, providing her transportation to work. He was an old cowboy, much more comfortable on the back of a faithful horse than driving his cranky pickup, whose gears were never where they were supposed to be. Sadie and her family lived on the side of a wooded ridge, thick with pines and aspen trees— Their log home had been built by Sadie's father, Jacob, a carpenter and builder. They had moved to Montana from Ohio about five years earlier, the age-old lure of the West drawing Jacob Miller. The family had settled into the budding new church and community, which the old order Amish had started in the beauty of the Montana landscape. 
The move, however, had taken its toll on Sadie's mother, Annie, who had slid down a despairing slope of depression, her condition steadily deteriorating into severe mental illness, which Jacob found difficult to acknowledge. Mom's continuing silence made the space between them an uncomfortable irritation that Sadie could not let go. Inside her, disobedience raged, while rebellion infuriated her. Tears lodged in her throat. Yet as Sadie watched her mother's nimble fingers tugging at the stubborn weeds, she did thank God again for the educated doctors and the hospital stay that had enabled Mom to begin her long climb out of the pit of misery that she endured so bravely and silently. Still, how could she? Did mothers have a right to forbid their daughters from seeing someone?'